Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then 8 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. Next we turned and went up along the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, with his whole army marched out to meet us in the battle of Edrei. The Lord said to me, do not be afraid of him, for I delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. So at that time, we took from these two kings of the Amorites the territory east of the Jordan from the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. Hermon is called Syrian by the Sidonians, and the Amorites call it Sinir. We took all the towns on that plateau and all of Gilead and all of Bashan as far as Seleka and Edrei, towns of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephites. His bed was decorated with iron and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide, and it is still in Rabaha of the Amorites. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I remember thinking, what did he just say? I haven't read those parts before. I've never heard of some of those names. The key thing to hear is that the Amorites, they defeated the two kings of the Amorites and they took the territories east of the Jordan from the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. It's the second time we've referenced Mount Hermon this morning. Maybe you remember from our call to worship just a moment ago when we heard from Psalm 133 that said this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. This psalm, this description from Deuteronomy, they both help us set up the first Sunday in our new series. We're today beginning a five-week series called Holy Ground, where we will, for the rest of the Christian year, be looking at the different places and geographical features where God meets us. By the Christian year, I mean that it ends in Advent. The beginning of Advent is the beginning of our year, and the Christ of King Sunday, the Sunday before it, is typically the last or the second to last Sunday in November. And so for the next five weeks, for the rest of this calendar year, we're going to be looking at the places where God meets us. And notice how I said that intentionally, not just where we meet God, but often in the Bible, it is God who does the showing up. It is God who does the meeting when we least expect it. And God shows up in all the places imaginable. God shows up to characters in the Bible on riversides, in the shadow valleys, on the seas and in the wilderness. And so as we explore these many places in the Bible where God meets these different characters, we will also ask, how is God showing up in our own lives? Where are the places where God is meeting us? And as we begin this series this morning, I would like for us to start by exploring how God meets us on the mountaintops. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. 
Some of mine and my wife's favorite vacations are ones that revolve around hiking. We've gotten to do a lot of hiking during our marriage. Last June, we were in Montana with two of our best friends hiking in Glacier National Park. We hiked the Cinque Terre on the Italian coast. We hiked some of the mountains around Sitka, Alaska. We liked it so much, we named our dog Sitka. And if anybody wants a dog, we have a Sitka available, just saying. No, she's the best. She just eats all of our toilet paper. We got to hike Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh, which is not necessarily a big mountain, but it's a cool hike. We, when she was pregnant with August, we did some of those early trails on the AT, the Appalachian Trail, outside of Asheville. But before we were even together, I loved hiking. I loved hiking in college. And one adventure I will never forget was in the summer of 2008. I was at Lake Junaleska in North Carolina, our great Methodist retreat center up there. If you haven't been, I encourage you to go sometime. It is gorgeous. My sister and my close friend Charles were about to begin seminary at Duke Divinity School in Durham. In in college, Charles and I played music together and we worked out together and we hung out just about every day. And eventually he married my sister. And it made me question everything about our friendship. Made me think he was just using me the whole time, but he swears that wasn't true. But I was up there at Lake Junaleska and I was attending as a delegate the Southeastern Jurisdictional Conference for our denomination. And one day I had the meeting, I had a day off of meetings and Charles came and picked me up and we went to a local trail to hike. And it was challenging, but not terribly so. The incline was steep, but not awful. And we were in that phase of masculinity where it seemed like anything that was too easy needed to be made harder, right? So we took off our shoes and we decided to hop in the little river that meandered alongside the trail up the side there. We were wading in the, it was more than a creek, less than a river really. And so we would jump from rock to rock and we would walk up these broken tree logs and, and you know, we would get into the current up to our hips and try to fight up as far as we could. And, and we did this for, I don't know, about two miles. And it was challenging to get up. It would have been impossible to come down that way, though, because the, the current was too swift, so you couldn't really navigate. So we were just trying to make things harder for ourselves. And Charles and I, fueled by testosterone, got all the way up. Right before we got to the overlook, we got back on the trail and then enjoyed this view that we worked so hard for. Because you know, that's the reward once you get to the end of the trail is you should have some sort of scenic vista And we got up there, we enjoyed that, and eventually, as we were headed back down, we realized that something very upsetting had changed on the trail that we had missed by being in the water. Somewhere after we had gotten off and before we got into the top, the trail turned from like a normal forest path with roots um, to a path covered in white gravel. And remember, we're not wearing any shoes. And so by white gravel, I mean those half dollar size stones that are sharp on every side. And as we're coming down that mountainside, for two miles barefoot, all of our weight was going through our bare feet and onto those rocks with each and every step. And that was definitely one of those moments where I was hoping God would show up on the mountainside. And so let this be a lesson to you about these mountains. When you hike them, you should wear shoes. Amen, that's the end. No, I'm just kidding. We have a lot to say about mountains, about our experiences with them. Maybe you've done some hiking on some trails yourself. Maybe you've gone away on a mountainous retreat. As we look at the Bible, there are lots of mountains 
Lots of stories where God meets people on the mountaintops. And we have lots of mountaintop experiences in our faith journey. When you read the scripture, you can see that Moses received the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. There was a mountaintop where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, but the angel showed up and said, no, 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 don't do it. The mountainside cave where God visits Elisha in a still small voice. And then there's the mountain of transfiguration where Peter, James, and John encounter God as Jesus is glowing white. But the mountaintop I want us to focus on this morning is the one that's a little less known, but perhaps the most important mountaintop in the Bible. That's Mount Hermon. We just read two references to Mount Hermon a moment ago. It's not, those are not the only two references. Mount Hermon is also referred to as the eyes of the nation in Israel because its elevation makes it Israel's primary strategic early warning system for attacks. It's the highest point in the entire nation. It forms one of the greatest geological resources of that area. And in the Old Testament, Mount Hermon is depicted as the northern boundary of the Amorite kingdom, which we were just told in Deuteronomy was taken over by the Israelites. Remember after they came back, after they were, they, they left Egypt, they wandered through the wilderness, they were taking the promised land or they were starting to have it, you know, live into the promised land. It says that they conquered various different enemies and kingdoms and they went as far up north as Mount Hermon. That is the new northern boundary of the people. And the Bible uses different names for this mountain. The most common is Hermon, but it's also referred to by the Sidonians as Syrian, while the Amorites called it Sinir. But set aside just those details, if you remember anything today about Mount Hermon, Remember this really important fact. Because of its height, Mount Hermon captures a great deal of precipita precipitation in a very dry part of the world. Mount Hermon has these seasonal winters and spring snowfalls, which cover all three of its peaks. And eventually when those snows melt, the water seeps down the mountainsides through the rocks and the channels to feed these springs at the base of the mountain that all merge together to become the Jordan River. The Jordan River begins at Mount Hermon. So if you think of a map of Israel, if you're looking at the area, Mount Hermon is at the very top, the northernmost border of the promised land. It's the highest peak and it's the particular mountain that creates the lushness of this land that is known as the land of milk and honey. You know, remember whenever God made the promise to the people, he said, I will deliver you into a land flowing with milk and honey. This is only possible because this land sits at the base of Mount Hermon. When you look at that map of present day Israel, you can tell a big difference between Egypt and the southern areas around Israel and even the east. And really anything around Israel looks very different than this strip. Everything else looks like an arid desert, devoid of most life. But then you see this little area of land that's lush and green, it's trees. In the middle of this dry and lifeless area, there's a narrow strip that runs from Beersheba in the south, 187 miles north to Mount Hermon. 
And think about that, 187 miles north. That's from here to Prattville. From here to Prattville is the distance of the entire nation of Israel. And Mount Hermon provides the water for that entire area. As the water runs down the mountain, it creates the Jordan River and supplies all the fresh water that makes the promised land the promised land. If it were not for Mount Hermon, there would be no vegetation, no trees, probably no life of any kind. And without Mount Hermon, we wouldn't have any of the stories in the Bible we have because no one would have lived there. Which is why when Psalm 133 describes something that is awesome, something that is wonderful, it says it's like the dew that rolls down from Mount Hermon. Something that it wants to describe as being the best blessing imaginable. The psalmist says it's like this dew that that runs from Hermon to Mount Zion. Hermon's at the north, Mount Zion, Jerusalem at the south. Something amazing that fills the entire country with life. When we think of mountains in the Bible, I think we mostly think of them as a place to retreat, a place where you go to get away from the everyday life. And that's very true. It's true in our own lives and it's true in the Bible. There's plenty of examples of Jesus going up on the mountain to pray, of the people go up on the mountain to retreat. Maybe you can think of times in your own life where your mountaintop experiences were the times where you got away. In youth, it was all these youth camps. We would call them what? Mountaintop experiences, right? Where you would go away and have this transformational experience and you'd come back on fire for Jesus. Maybe you've had transformational times in your own life, but I wonder how many of those happened whenever you were not here, but were somewhere else. But Mount Hermon gives us another witness about what it means for God to meet us on the mountain. It shows that the mountain is not just the place where we get away. It's not just the the place that we escape. But it's the thing that provides us life during the ordinary times. It's the thing that gives us blessings during those seasons when we can't make it up to the top. And I think in a world where most of us live the majority of our lives in the ordinary seasons... The seasons where we go to work and we come home, where we go to ball games or we take care of kids and grandkids. It's encouraging to me that what Mount Hermon's witness gives us is that we get to experience God's blessings of the mountaintop in the everyday. God meets us by bringing the blessings to us. When we read Psalm 133 carefully though, we see that the psalmist is comparing the, the dew of Hermon to a very particular kind of blessing. It's a very specific blessing that the psalmist is referring to. It's not just like, oh, anytime something nice happens, it's like the dew of Hermon. It's not like, oh, I just found a penny on the side of the road. You know, dew of Hermon coming on down, rolling on down. No. Hear it again, what the psalm says. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. The ultimate goodness that God intends for us that God wants for all people to experience is to live together in unity. Unity, community, 
doing life in peace with others. These are the things that are like dew that flow from Hermon to Zion. What God desires for each of us, the thing that sustains us when we are not on the mountain is the joy of being with others, of living life together. I mean, when you think about it, when the youth has gone off and had their mountaintop experience, they're doing it with their youth group. It's the most intense form of community that they're ever going to have whenever they go away together. Not away by themselves, but experiencing this concentrated, constant form of community that causes them to see like, this is really nice. God is doing something special here. I mean, how many of you have had transformational experiences in your life that happened on mountaintop type experiences? Maybe it was an Esther's retreat weekend or a ski trip with your friends or a mission trip to Honduras. God does not want community though to be limited to our retreats. God does not want the experience of the blessing, the joy that comes from being with others to only happen when we have time to get away. That's why God brings the mountaintop to us. God wants us to experience the joy of community every day, like the life-giving waters that roll down the entire nation of Israel from Hermon to Zion. Did you know that according to St. Augustine, the origin of the monasteries, of these brotherhoods, it comes from this psalm, from Psalm 133. I mean, for the Catholic monks and nuns, monasteries and and convents, they're the places where spiritual life is their vocation. It's the entirety of their life. But they do this spiritual life in community with others, not on an island by themselves. Augustine believed that abundant life can only be found in unity and being together. You know, what's funny? I don't actually have any memory of the vista that Charles and I reached on that hike. I mean, I've done a lot of hiking, and so sometimes they run together, and I'm sure that one was really pretty. All the ones in North Carolina are, but I don't actually remember what it looked like. You know what I do remember? I remember sharing that story with one of my favorite people on the planet. Like, that whole experience would have been a whole lot less fun if I were cutting up my feet all by myself. The fact that we can get together and share that memory, it's like dew that rolls down from Herman to having experienced that with someone else. The reward of seeing the top of the mountain pales in comparison to the reward of traveling that road with somebody that I care about. The dew that runs from Herman and fills the hills and the plains of Israel is the unifying power of God. It is the thing that gives life to Israel. Just as the joy of community is a thing that gives life to the church. God wants us to be unified and to experience the joy of community with others. And that's exactly what we want too. By we, I mean this church. Dauphin Way United Methodist Church. There's nothing more that this church wants than for every person to experience the best blessing we can offer. And that is the joy of being a part of this family. The joy of getting to be with people as they celebrate life's joys and to sit with them as they grieve through life's challenges. 
The reason why we talk about Dolphin Way 101 every week, the reason why we tell you that you can go pray with a pastor and that there's supper clubs and that there's the, the youth group and the children's ministry and the trunk or treat, it's because we want every person to find this blessing that sustains us in between the peaks. We want every person in Mobile, Alabama to know that there's a place for them to be loved, a place for them to belong, a place for them to experience joy. We want you to know that dew that runs down the hills like the springs of the Jordan and to realize that abundant life is found when we do it together. If you're looking for a place to belong or if you know somebody that is in need of a place to belong, if you're looking for a blessing that is sweeter than any honey. If you are feeling alone and isolated, or if there's somebody that God is putting on your mind with those very same things, I pray that this church can be your experience of the mountaintop. That you can experience the top of the mountain by joining a community that sits at sea level. Because God's blessings roll down from Hermon to Zion. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.